Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Me in your Bibles, Matthew 13. Matthew 13, the title of my message today is the 25th percentile. The 25th percentile. And it'll make, it'll make sense in just a moment. Matthew 13, verse 3. says, He told many stories. He spoke to them many things in parables. Oh, let me change my translation then. Whoops. Here we go. So it's the same as yours. He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside or on the footpath. And the birds of the air came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among the thorns and sprang up and choked them. And the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He was ears to hear, let them hear. Then the disciples come and they basically say to him, hey, why, why, why do you, like, I don't understand, like, why don't you just dumb it down? Why are you speaking in parables? Why do you speak in parables? And Jesus says, because to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but not to them. Therefore, hearing they, they won't hear, seeing they won't see, receiving they won't understand, lest I should, they should turn and they be healed. Which is really, really wonderful because it kind of destroys the whole strictly inclusive woke, hey, we've got to dumb down the gospel, let's not preach that, let's not preach that, let's not preach that, because, you know, Jesus' heart is to get everybody saved. Well, that kind of is a bit of a, even Jesus there would have been thrown out of his own church. So now the disciples, after hearing all of that, they're they're now confused. So they go to Jesus and they ask him in, in Matthew 13, 18, you know, like, can you explain the parable? And so therefore, Jesus says, therefore, hear the parable, verse 18, of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is, who, who, this is those who received seed by the wayside. But he who receives seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but only endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on this good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty and some 30. So as you read that, that that parable there that Jesus tells us is about the world. And we know it's, you know, the parable of the sower, but it's also been known as the parable of the soils. It's the parable of the soils. It's the parable of, of four different conditions of the human heart. And obviously, as we read that, we want to be in that last group. We want to be in that, that fourth category. We want to be, we want to be in the 25th percentile. 
We want to be in that category. So let me just kind of go, go through this morning. Uh, just some, some thoughts around this because the, Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of the parables. Jesus uh, plays nearly all the roles. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, he's up there doing cameos as well as he's the, the, the main feature. So Jesus said that he is the son of man is the sower. The field is the world. So he's the sower. And then he says, and the, the seed is the word of God. So we know, well, hang on, Jesus, you are the word. In the beginning was the word. So you're, you're the sower and you're also the seed. So Jesus, Jesus has put himself into the world in word form, in word form. And what he's looking for is a harvest from the word, from himself. And the first area is those who hear the word, but they, they don't understand it. They, 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 they hear it, but they don't understand it, which is kind of interesting. Why, why they, they hear, but they don't understand. And then the Bible says that Satan comes immediately to snatch away. Satan comes immediately to steal the word. In, in Luke 8, 12, it says that Satan comes immediately and steals a word lest they believe and are saved lest they believe in us saved. We know that God watches over his word to perform it. So they received the seed, but they didn't understand it. Satan is so threatened by the word of God. He's like, I know that they heard it, but they didn't understand the treasure that they just, he comes immediately to steal it because he knows that God watches over his word and he can't take the risk of letting it remain. We see this in our culture. We see Satan has stolen the word from our schools. He has stolen the word from our colleges. He has stolen the, the, the word from our, our culture. It used to be taught in the schools. The Bible was the original textbook that education was built on in the United States of America. And I would say, just like Pastor Jesse prayed this morning, that we live in the harvest today of those years there. But when we remove the word of God from our schools, when we remove the Bible as the textbook, as the foundation, as the biblical foundation of this nation, what kind of a future do you think you're going to have without God, without his word? Satan comes in and immediately snatches the word of God. I began to, to, to kind of think, man, why, why would they not receive the word of God? Why would they hear but not understand it? And I just couldn't help but think like the, the footpath is, is a hard heart, the, the, the condition of their heart. And that's, that's why it's so imperative that the fivefold ministry of the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the pastors and the teacher is so important because our job really is to break up the condition of people's hearts. You know, I remember John Wesley said, I preach to break the hardest heart and to heal the broken one. I preach to break the hardest heart and to heal the broken one. Uh, I remember many, many years ago, Pastor Mike, when I was first reading this, and for many years I would read this story, and I always put, would put myself, I want to be in that 25th percentile, Lord, examine my heart, examine my heart. And then one day when I got the revelation, God brought me back to, Jürgen, you are a farmer. I'm like, yeah, that's why I want to be in the 25th percentile. And he's like, no, 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 no. He goes, you know, no farmer 
buys, you know, 10 acres of land, but only uses 2.5. He says the 2.5 is producing, but if there's, if there's weeds and thorns in, he's going he's gonna to go to work with, you know, ripping out those. And if there's, there's stony, he's going to be getting rid of the stone. And if there's stuff that's hard, it's really clay and the seed can't penetrate. He's going to break that up because he doesn't want to just have 20. God wants the entire world. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish. So therefore, therefore, therefore for, for us with our philosophy of how, how we preach, what we preach, how we do ministry, how we do life, there has to be that element where we understand, hey, we got to challenge hard-heartedness. we got to break a hard heart towards the things of God. Why? Because we love people. Why? Because we care. I, well, you know, I just don't want to get into arguments with people. I just don't want, want to offend people. You know, it's very interesting. Jesus says these people have eyes to see, but they don't see. They have ears to hear, but they don't hear. They have a heart to understand, but they don't understand. Right now, what we're seeing with happening with Israel and you would think because you see that everybody would be aghast. Everybody would be like, oh my gosh, the, the, the inhumanity, the wickedness, the evil. It is unbelievable how many stupid people, how many stupid Christians there are out there who are defending, well, you know, Israel, there, there was a time where there were Jews spitting on Christians. And let's imagine that's true. Let's imagine there were Jews spitting on Christians. How the hell that justifies Hamas beheading babies? Are you a freaking moron? Like, does your, does your, does your elevator not go past the second floor? Is it trapped in the basement? How do you... How, well, there are Jews who spat on Christians. They're, they're, they're raping girls, forcing the girls to call their mothers while they rape them and kill them. So the last thing the Jewish mothers hear is their little princesses being brutally raped and then murdered by Hamas. And you have freaking idiots out there. These are, the, these are people who have eyes to see, but they don't see. They have ears to hear, but they don't hear. So right now, right now what you are going to see is you're going to see the difference between those who have the spirit of God and those who are, have the spirit of the world. Jesus, when he comes back, is going to separate the sheep from the goats. And in Israel, if you have a look, it's almost, if first glance, the sheep look like goats and the goats look like sheep. There's almost no difference. But Jesus knows the difference. So in the kingdom, Jesus says, and I will separate from my kingdom. So there'll be people that come to church that, that probably tie, that, that look like Christians that may even serve on teams, but they don't have the spirit of God. They have the spirit of the world because they've never allowed the word of God to penetrate their heart. Now, here's what Jesus says. Like uh, if you read it in the NLT, it's very powerful. He says, when, when you receive the word, you receive perception, you receive understanding, you receive wisdom, you receive insight. When you do that, you'll see more of the word so you'll receive more wisdom, more revelation, more perception, more. In other words, the more that you allow the word to get in, the more it'll break up the blindness in our lives. The more it'll break up the ignorance, the more that you will see. So one of the burdens that you and I will have to carry is almost a grief and a lament that you and I can be looking at the same tragedy in Israel and seeing it. And you're like, how the heck could CNN be? How could, NB, how could these? It's 
because those people don't have the Spirit of God and they have no room for the Word of God. They may have even heard the Word of God. They may have gone to a Christian school and were like, man, they had a Catholic upbringing. They had a Christian upbringing. They went to, uh, you know, Liberty University or Harvard University, which was a bit, but, but, but Satan came and snatched the seed. He took the seed away. And so they don't see, they don't perceive, they don't understand. So one of the, the, the grievances that you and I will, will have to carry, and you'll question yourself, you're like, man, is there something wrong with me? How come, how come I look at that and see, see chaos? And they're like, well, they stole the land, they colonizers, they took the land from Palestine. The Philistines, God didn't give the land to the Philistines. He gave it to the Israelites. It's always been their land. In fact, they've given up much of their land. Look, honestly, the dumbest thing you can ever do is think you can coexist with the devil. Israel, for peace, over the years, gave Hamas, gave the They gave up the West Bank. They gave up land, thinking just, we just want to, but you cannot coexist with evil. Jesus never coexisted with evil. He drove it out. Jesus did. When he t comes to the region of the Gadarenes, I love this. I was reading this yesterday. I never saw this before. When Jesus comes to the region of the Gadarenes and, you know, the guy with the legion and the demons say to him, you know, have you come to torment us, you know, before the appointed time? We know who you are. And, uh, and then Jesus, you know, t said that, well, I'm here and you're leaving. And they're like, well, hang on. If you're going to set him free, there's, a, there's a, a herd of swine. Permit us to enter the swine, but do not cast us out of the region because they're territorial. And so Jesus, all right, go into the swine. And the Bible says immediately the swine ran down the hillside off the cliff and drowned in the water. So Jesus got rid of them anyway. Because the man was cutting himself. He, he had a will that was fighting against the destructive agenda of the demons. The, the pigs, they didn't have any resistance. They had no will. Against, so when the demons, that's why the left always destroys itself. The left always destroys itself. The demons destroyed themselves. They entered the swine thinking we can stay in the area. But, but because their, their whole drive was to trying to get this man to kill himself, the, the pigs put up no resistance. And they, said, hey, we were. and they went over the cliff and they drowned in the water. And Jesus cleaned up the area. Now, even though he cleaned up the area, it's interesting. The Bible says that the people from that area came to Jesus when they saw the man clothed, seated in his right mind. And the loss of their, their pigs, their income, they begged Jesus to depart from their region. Why do they beg Jesus to depart from their region? Even though the demons were cast out, they were still living with the residue, with the, with the, the brain memory, the default of years and years of cohabitation with the demonic. And that's why, that's why when the, the, the legion said, hey, permit me to come with you, Jesus says, no, no, no. You stay here and you go to your friends and you go to your family and you proclaim to them what God has done to you this day. What's interesting is 40 years later when the temple is sacked in Jerusalem and there's a massive, uh, there's a massive persecution of Christians, the place where Christians fled that was like had the, mo had the strongest Christian culture 
in all of the land of Israel was in the Decapolis. This place where 40 years earlier Jesus cast out the demon, where 40 years earlier the people said, you know, get out of here. But because one man preached and preached and preached and preached, sharing his testimony, hearts began, the culture began to shift. But you've got to deal with the demonic. But after the demonic, what, you know, so our job is we're, we're, we're going to kick the devils out of San Diego. That's out of Boise, out of Salt Lake City. We drive out the demonic. We drive out the demonic. <clears throat> we got Pastor Mike Connell here, and he's going to drive out the demonic. He's, he, that's, that's what he does. That's his thing. But however, driving out the demonic is not a substitute for discipleship. It's not a substitute, but we still have to. But when I got set free, I got set free, but I had to now kind of unlearn things. And I had to relearn things. And I had to, had to realize I was set free from operating in fear and set free from operating in control and free from. And so I can't. So I've been set free from that. But my default was to go back to old habits and go back to old paradigms and go back to old mindsets. That's why the Bible says that be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul's saying, hey, you've been delivered from the demonic. But now you get into the word of God and begin to let and look. I'm telling you, the first time I read the Bible, I reckon I understood less than 3%. I'm like, I don't understand. And, and, and that's okay because the 3% that you understand will unlock the, the next. The greatest way that I can describe the Word of God is the Word of God is like a matrix. It's like a matrix. Don't worry about what you don't understand. What you do understand, you know, I think it was C.S. Lewis says, you know, someone said to him, hey, you know, I don't know why you read the Bible every day. You know, most of it I don't understand. And that troubles me. And he says, actually, it's the parts I do understand that trouble me. And, but you will find that, 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 that as, as, you, as you get a revelation on the word of God, light comes and that light now spreads and all of a sudden it unlocks other things. And then that light increases and unlocks. And this is a, a, a continuum in the kingdom. So we want to make sure as, as shepherds and we want to make sure as farmers that we are breaking up the hard hearts. You know, don't be afraid to preach. Don't be afraid to challenge. Don't be afraid to get into conflict. You know, Leanne on her Instagram put a post yesterday uh, just about the, the craziness. And it's amazing how many people pretending or feigning to be Christians came back with stupid. Like there's just, and, uh, and Leanne, and I'm like, yeah, good response. Great response. Should I yet yeah, respond? You know, they're very, that person, Jack Wagon, just let it go. But, but it's amazing that the people, the great battle will always be the people who are of the spirit of the world and the people of the spirit of God. And you're going to see in this conflict, you know, who's who. All right. Second one. Second one. Uh, in fact, let me just put a bow on that. Jesus, when all the disciples and all the crowds were leaving, he turns to Peter and the disciples. He says, do you guys want to leave too? And listen to what Simon Peter says. He says, where else do we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. In other words, your, your, your word brings life. I, 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 you just told people to eat your flesh and drink your blood like Jesus, like that is. Do you know how gross that is? Like, do you know the, the Leviticus forbids cannibalism and you, you telling everyone unless they eat your flesh and drink your blood, they don't have eternal life? Like Jesus, like you, I'm not sure if you've been up all night, but you got to pick better vernacular. you got to pick better. And he says, do you want to leave? Jesus was intentionally messing with them. He wasn't afraid to offend people. He wasn't afraid to... 
That's what I love about Jesus is, is, is he knows my job is to break up the hard heart. And to do that, I've got to sometimes use some shock. When you put a jackhammer, it shocks the, and cracks and it breaks. But sometimes you've got to do that. I love the fact that we're a church where there's some masculinity in our church that we can have difficult conversations with people. Last night there was a beautiful wedding with a beautiful couple and we know that they've got the very, very best chance of, of having a phenomenal marriage because we, we've got uh, great pastoral leadership from Dr. Matt who probably three or four times had to have very strong conversations with, with the groom because he takes discipleship seriously. And that groom says, I'm the beneficiary of people that called me out on my ish, called me out on my stuff. In other words, a shepherd says, hey, there's a hardness in your heart or there's a deadness in your heart where you're not letting the word of God penetrate. And I love you too much. I may risk the friendship. I may risk the relationship. You need the word of God. But the hard-hearted attitude, the arrogance, I'm going to break that up so the word of God can penetrate. You will thank me for it afterwards because the word of God always produces life. The second one, this, oh shoot, two minutes. All right. Second one, dear Jesus. Receive, these people receive with joy, but they have no root, the Bible says. They receive the word of God with joy, but because they're in shallow soil, they have no root. And so when persecution or trials arise because of the word, because of the word, they fall away. So they receive the word of God, but they, they have no root. Psalm 92 verse 13 says, blessed are those who are planted in the house of God, for they shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bring forth their fruit in season. Their leaf does not wither. Everything they do shall prosper. One of the reasons that we have DNA, one of the reasons that we encourage people not just to get saved, we thank God that we, we kind of had our eyes open that we, we, we don't just... When people get saved, we don't say, yay, our job is done. Look how awesome we are. Wow, last year we had 3,600 people saved. The year before that, we had 10,000 people saved. It's not about getting people saved. It's not about getting people saved. It's about getting people planted. And how do you do that? We've got to teach them to put their roots down. You've got to put your, you can't be a potted plant Christian. You can't just, you know, have shallow roots. You ain't going to produce jack. I remember many, many years ago, Pastor Phil was, was talking about, you know, he, he was walking through an orchard and he saw these, you know, um, oranges, but they were, you know, they were still green. They, they, were, they were producing. And, and uh, the, he was talking to the, the, the owner of the, the orchard and he said, yeah, you know, last year we had some blight and some mildew and some disease and it took out a whole bunch of crops. And he says, but this year we're believing for a really great harvest. And, uh, he, and the, then the guy says, however, we've had severe droughts. And, uh, you know, we're praying for rain right now. And Pastor Phil said he had this revelation that the orange trees, their, their, their strain is not to produce an orange. He said, that's, that's, not, that's not the pressure. Every orange tree there, it's not about the producing of an orange. It's actually the finding of water. He says, we, we look and think, oh, the the." He says, if they find water, they produce fruit. If they don't find water, they don't produce fruit. Therefore, when we challenge people, get planted. Oh, you know, you, this is just a wholesale DNA just to get, no, no, because listen, you don't have to get planted at Awaken, but you do have to get planted. When we first moved here, oh my gosh, we had the, the conference Christians. 
I'm telling you, it was like the conference Christians. And, and you know, Bethel's doing something. So they're all, they all go up to Bethel. And then, you know, T.D. Jakes is doing, and they're all over here. And then, you know, this, this conference is over here. And then there's a spirit-filled for believers convention over here. And then, and, and, and they go from conference to conference, and they would tell me, and they were nutters. You couldn't, I mean, they... They, 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 they wouldn't put out a chair or they wouldn't, you know, serve on a team because they, they were anointed. They just had the man. They went to a meeting where the man of God laid hands on them. They stood in line for an hour to get a double portion. They asked God for a double portion of what's on that person. And I'm like, well, you know, none of those things seem bad, but God, why, why are they such a freaking mess? And, and God is like, because I didn't ask them to get it. I asked them to get planted. I asked them to put their roots down. They ain't producing. Have a look at their lives. There's no fruit. There's a whole lot of tooth. There's a whole lot of, but there's no fruit because they didn't put their roots down. Blessed are those who are planted. There's no substitute for being planted. Now listen, how many people know that, that the Bible says, you know, you're, you're planted by the rivers and you bring forth your fruit in season, every season you produce. Can I just tell you, there are seasons. The Bible says it. So, well, I put my roots down when the sun was shining and then all of a sudden things went frosty and things went really cold and it was raining and it was cloudy and I couldn't see the sun anymore and the wind was blowing. <laughs> and there were times I didn't even think I could because it was so strong and it just... No, no, that's called seasons. And you'll find the roots actually get stronger in the dark seasons. So many people pick up their roots because I'm going to where it's summer. I'm going to go with it. Sun shining and there's no adversity and there's no, 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 no. The roots get stronger. You talk to any winemaker, he will tell you the greatest thing that happens to the vines is droughts and frosts and difficult seasons because the roots go down further. They put more stress on the vines and the fruit becomes multiplied. In this church, you are going to get offended. I give it my best shot every Sunday. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. But, but you will. Just doing life. Just doing life. You know, it's amazing. People say, well, you know, um, oh, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. And we always say, well, there's room for one more. Come on in. Come on in. <laughs> I got hurt in church. I got hurt skiing. I still love skiing. What? I got hurt surfing. I love surfing. I got hurt in relationships. I'm still in front of... You're going to get... Who's, who says, come to Jesus and you'll never be hurt again? Come to Jesus, you'll never be hurt. You'll never be offended. In the church, we've... Oh, the church is... Oh, we've just dumbed everything down. No one's going to get hurt. It's like tiptoeing through the tulips. It's like... Nobody says that. What the jack are you talking about? In, in fact, I don't think that you mature unless you get offended. Because when you get offended, now God's going, no, no, what are you going to do? You're going to harbor that. It's going to make your heart hard. Let go of your offense. Let go of it. Forgive. Oh, I don't want to forgive them. They don't deserve Yeah, they don't deserve it. But you don't want to live a captive. Jesus is on a cross. They're gambling for his, his garments. They're not asking for forgiveness. They're not deserving. But Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. 
You can come all the way to hang on a cross to forgive your sins and then not forgive theirs. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you can't be faithful on the least, you can't be faithful on the much. He's hanging on a cross to forgive us of our sins and he's forgiving them. That's who he is. In this life, the muscle, the, the, the kingdom muscle, the faith muscle is in forgiveness. In fact, you can tell the measure of a Christian by the offense that takes them out. Little offense, you were just a little puppy Christian, weren't you? But mature Christians, man, you can beat them with rods over the head. You can hit them in the head with a piece of two by four and they'll keep turning back. They'll keep lifting their hands. They'll keep turning up because it's not about what other men have done. My devotion for God. Put your roots down. Somebody say amen. Number three is they receive the word but allow the seed to be choked by the weeds and the thorns. And, and the Bible says it was the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And so as I was praying on that one, I, I, you know, over the years, what I've seen is I've seen people, they, they, they come into church and they get excited about the Word of God and they receive the Word of God. And what they do is they, they take the Word of God, Pastor John, and they want to add it to their little stash. They, they, they want to add it to their Tony Robbins. Unleash the giant within. They want, to, they want to add it to their enterprise. They want to add it to their, they want to add it. But the Bible doesn't say add the word of God. Matthew 6.33 says what? Seek first, the, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added. The word of God isn't an additive to your life. It's the centerpiece of your life. The stuff of this world, riches and wealth and prosperity and success and career and family, and all of those things, they're the additions. They're not the center. I remember when we first started the church, we had this beautiful couple and, and we're wondering why people would, would, would like, they, they would accelerate Lance on, on a team and all of a sudden they, they'd just fall off, fall off the bandwagon and we're like... Man, what? And then, then we began to find out this couple was saying, hey, 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 make sure you protect your marriage from the church. Hey, hey, you got to protect your family from the church. And I'm like, wow, shoot, when I read the Bible, like, we're the only ones, pro like, we're the only ones protecting marriage. We're, 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 we're the only ones championing family. The whole world's destroying marriage, destroying family with the church. And she's telling people, oh, no, you can't trust the church. Oh, they'll destroy your marriage. They'll destroy your family. You've got to pull back. You've got to take a year off. If you get married, take a year off and don't serve on any. I'm like, the greatest thing that Leanne and I ever did was serve together. We got to, we got to, 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 to eat together, sleep together, serve together. There was nothing better. Are you kidding me? This is the best life ever. And this person's teaching. Because what... And then I sat down with another person who, who kind of grew up and had this conflict in, in our church a few years ago. And he said, the problem with, with C3 before we're awakened is you believe that the church is the centerpiece of your life. Because it shouldn't be the center. I said, well, the Bible says, you know, seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added. I'm like, just got to do what the Bible says. And so he goes, I don't agree with it. And he left. And within six months, all of his kids who were flourishing, divorced, backslidden, messed up, jacked up, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added. Don't try and add the kingdom to all of these things. It's, it's a lordship issue. Put, put the kingdom first. Put the house of God first. I promise you this, you will not lose. Leanne and I... The, the, the biggest temptation over the years from the devil was 
You can make money. You could go and do this. You could go and do that. I remember, uh, I think I might have told you how I, how I made it onto the um, Australian Comedy Festival. And then the, as soon as I hung up the phone, it wasn't even 10 seconds, the Holy Spirit said, Jürgen, do you want to deal with the doors that just opened? And I realized it was doors that would give me fame. But my, my assignment in the earth isn't to build my name. It's not to glorify me. It's not for me to attract fame and attention. I realized, oh my gosh, I gave my life to Jesus. You rescued me on a beach. You saved me. You healed me. You delivered me. How selfish of me to say, thank you, Jesus. See ya. And take all that and now go and trade it for myself. At, no, no, no. I, I'm reciprocating. I'm here to bring you glory. Jesus said, Anybody who leaves houses, lands, fathers, mothers, for my sake, will not fail to receive a hundred times. You think he doesn't know how to look after you? The life that Leanne and I live today, the life that we enjoy today has come only because we seek first the kingdom of God. And when you seek first the kingdom of God, it's the greatest filter. You won't get seduced and enticed by the deceitfulness of riches and, and get rich quick schemes and all of those things. You'll find that it'll keep you grounded because you understand, oh, this is not the centerpiece. Well, Oh, this isn't the centerpiece, kids. This is the added. This is the added. This is the added. This is the added. We seek first the kingdom. And then the last one, because, you know, C.S. Lewis said this, that if you aim at earth, you'll miss heaven. If you aim at heaven, you'll get earth thrown in. If you aim at earth, you'll miss heaven. But if you aim at heaven, you'll get earth thrown in. The last one, the, the 25th percentile. As I was thinking of that one, you know, some falls on the good soil and, these ones, the roots go down, they, they produce 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. Jesus wants us to be fruitful in our life. And this is going to sound really, really simplistic, but it's, but it's profound. I felt the Holy Spirit say uh, one of the greatest things, and there's a lot of things that, that he commended us on, about awaken that, that I, I really felt that he loved pastor Shauna was our, our children's ministry like of all the things I'm like hey on Jesus I'm trying to speak to leaders and he's like no no the children's ministry he says because children are meant to be free to play you know sadly what we saw in in Israel is little children are now afraid to go out and play because of they might be murdered they might be Children are meant to play. And, and God says, because of the playgrounds and the creativity, children want to play. But when children mature and become adults, they go out and they produce. And he says, and they produce. And he said, the level of their production, the level of their producing is actually directly correlated to their level of playing as a kid. When you see kids playing, they, 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 they got, they got a, a twig. And they're running around, but it's not a twig, it's a machine gun. And they're running around, and, and the creativity, they're, they're, they're constantly creating and problem solving, creating, and, and, and so it's so important. We create an environment where our kids can play, where our teens can dream. Why? Because one day they have to go into the world, and as they go into the world, the, the play, the creativity, the imagination, the problem solving, the innovation over here becomes their production in the world. They see problems and they solve it. They imagine things that aren't as though they are, and they operate in their God factor. It's so important that we 
have playgrounds for our kids. I love that our kids drag parents to church because they want to come and play. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today for your word. I don't want to be in the first percentile. I want to be in the 25th percentile. I want to be the hundredfold, 60-fold, 30-fold. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.